You are listening to the Daily Talks podcast where my mom, Deli, empowers parents like you with parenting tips. My mom's mission is to help parents make their child raising experience easier and more enjoyable by sharing valuable lessons to save them unnecessary struggles. The Daily Talks podcast is for any person already parenting or planning on parenting a child. Each week you'll hear different experts talk with my mom about important aspects of parenting, self-care, and of course her specialized area of bullying awareness and prevention. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, go ahead and do so now wherever you may be listening. And don't forget to set up your alerts so that you don't miss any episodes. Let's get started. Welcome to the show, everybody. My guest speaker today is not only a great friend, uh, somebody who I met through Clubhouse, but it's Julie DeLuca Collins, who is a holistic business and life coach. And I'm really excited to have her here because I think she's going to deliver some very, very amazing, valuable information. So without further ado, here's Julie. Welcome, Julie. Hi, Dali. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here today. I've been looking forward to this all week. Me too. Me too. And I... (laughs) In preparation, I have been reading your book and listening to your podcast. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for doing both. It means the world to me that you do that. Both of those things are labors of love that are are really special to my heart. And I think that really shows through both of them, honestly. Mm, Yeah, I love it. And um, you have this, uh, this energy in your voice that I love. It's calming it's like a warm hug and it's fun at the same time oh good I I I love that I love that (laughs) so let's dive in and tell our public like who you are where are you from sure you do how did you get into this (laughs) you know I always have um my brain goes in multiple directions when you say where are you from because my first inclination will always say I'm from New York because I consider myself a New Yorker through and through. I was not born in New York. My first time in New York, I was three months old. My dad is from New York and he was born in Manhattan. And um, although I wasn't born there, I was born in El Salvador. My first recollections are really of always being a New Yorker, visiting my family, wanting to live in New York. Um, After living in El Salvador because of the war, we moved to Miami because my dad at that point had moved out. I mean, his family, only my grandmother was left in New York and my cousins and whatnot. But um, we lived in Miami and then I went to school in the D.C. metro area and then I moved to New York. (laughs) And I um, I love New York and I worked in New York for many years. And then I married my husband, hashtag handsome hot husband, and I am now in Vernon, Connecticut, which is a suburb of DC. But I, I'd love to believe that I am um, someone that has a little bit of everything and a piece of everywhere inside me. Um, because even uh, as a Salvadorian or half Salvadorian rather, um, there's a piece of Salvadorian in me that has a lot of pride for that little country. And there's a little piece of the person that loves DC and in the high pace of the government work. <laughs> um, but now Connecticut is home and that's where I'm from today. And I have definitely planted myself here. I have some great relationships and friends and my husband's family is huge and they're so loving and accepting of me oh wow that's really awesome i like that um you had those different experiences living in different areas because Mm -hmm. it's really eye-opening and i think it puts a little more spice into your story about like hey where are you from you know (laughs) 
Yeah, and, and again, maybe I should say, well, I'm from Miami, but I'm, I'm really not. And I'm, oh, I'm from El Salvador, but I'm really not. And I want to say I'm from New York, but I really, I guess I'm not. So, uh, yeah, that's that's me. Yeah. A little well, bit of everything. Like, yeah, I would like to say you're from all of those places, you know, because yeah. you, you had those experiences there and, and you've been there. You lived there. You didn't just go visit. But um, so tell me, how did you get into this holistic business and life coaching field? Yeah, so the, the journey to that began because I was in a quest to lose weight, as many women have been. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, so I started working, I have a friend who had a membership for weight loss and accountability, and this is back in the early 2000s, and um, she was just great, super supportive. And then in about 2009, I went through a divorce. And at this point in my person, my, in my professional career, I was working in an educational company. I started my career as a teacher, but I was a, an executive with this company. And I was in charge and overseeing all of our expansion, business development, marketing and operations. The company was small, but we wore many different hats and roles. And based on my experience, that's a lot of what I've had experience in another company as an executive in another company. So I uh, started working with a business coach. I started working with a business coach and then I started working with my friend. She went through coaching certification and all of a sudden the way that she was able to support us was like incredible. And then I thought, I want to be a coach. And, um, but I didn't know, and, and I didn't know how or what, or, uh, you know, I just kind of went about. And finally, I think it was 2014 after my dad died. Um, I needed to really process that because we were very close and I decided, you know what? I'm going to take some courses in cognitive behavioral technique coaching and holistic coaching because I want to be able to process this. And I've been to therapy and I highly recommend that anybody should do therapy at one point in your life. Um, and that's how I started my journey as becoming a certified coach, but never with the intention that I was going to coach other people other than me. And I tell, even now I tell people that I am my best client. The reason that I have the coaching certifications that I have is because I want to learn more and how to become a better person. In turn, that allows me to be able to help others. Um, fast forward through the pandemic, um, my company, educational company, was hit very hard, of course. We worked with New York City Public Schools. We had several contracts with them. And of course, you know, that came to a standstill. And in order for the company to continue to um, survive and thrive, which is really what I wanted, uh, we needed to separate. And they offered me a separation package. And at that point, I thought, you know, I always thought at some point I would help other women. Um, and maybe this is the time. And I decided, you know, I'm just going to take take the leap and jump and start my own business. I will do some consulting. I will do this. And I think that it was still kind of like a little murky as to what specifically. Um, but then I it started to come together. <laughs> but I had that certainty that I wanted to help other women. I wanted to use my coaching skills 
and that was kind of coming together. So in the very beginning of my quote unquote business, I, oh, if you needed uh, coaching for weight loss or if you needed coaching for confidence or if you needed coaching for whatever, I, I'm like, oh, sure, I could do that. Oh, sure, I'll help you. Um, I help many of my friends' uh, daughters with or sons with uh, career coaching. Um, again, as an executive, you know, you, you can give a, a unbiased perspective on what people are looking when they hired. But some of that, it didn't really 100% fit. It was sort of like um, I was trying to find the right shoe that would fit comfortably. And it was finally in November of 2020 when I thought, you know, this is so silly. Like, what do I do best? And that is... I'm a great person when it comes to business strategy. I I have grown businesses to multi-million dollars and I'm really good at that. And there are women who have really important dreams and not to say that men don't, but women who, again, and, and, and by, by virtue of who we are as women, we tend to put ourselves last. We mm-hmm. tend to... Um, not believe that we can. We also haven't had that much representation where we have seen others do a lot of that. And even in my corporate climb, when I got to my last role in the executive suite as chief innovation officer, there's not a lot of women in those roles. So I had to, I had a lot of male mentors and the one woman who was the CEO of her company um, where I worked really mentored me and helped me. And I wanted to do the same for others. And that's how I, be, and, and I coined, well, I didn't, I didn't invent it, but I decided to call myself a business and life strategy coach. So now I help women build the business they want using the right tools, creating the right strategies so that they're not overwhelmed. So they don't feel like, oh my God, what should I do next? What should I do this? Because I went through that, right? I don't know, like um, in the very beginning, no one says this is, step one, step two, step three, to build a business. It's a lot of trial and error, and I wanted to alleviate that. And the reason that I I think, um, well, I know I do it differently, is I use my training in cognitive behavioral techniques, now in tiny habits, because I got that new certification, um, to help women, because I can teach you, anybody can teach you the business part of it, right? You can go to YouTube, you can learn that as well. But working with someone who's going to hold you accountable, who is going to have that belief in you, but also help you with your mindset and your brain and create the right habits is something that's very important. And that's how my business has thrived now is using all of these skills together. And I want to do the same for others. Wow. That's amazing. Um, And I think it's uh, a lot of people listening could relate to this because a lot of people were laid off or they just decided to pivot in their life Mm -hmm. and make a big change. And so my listeners might be wondering, well, this is a podcast about parenting. Why is Julie talking about business? (laughs) And and, um, my answer to that is because things that we apply in business can be applied in personal life and they can be extremely effective. Mm-hmm. And when I was reading your book and I was on your website and, you know, I saw the certification for tiny habits, I thought this is something that can be applied at home because oh, if you sure. think about it, yeah. Like a lot of people think, Oh, you know, I'm just doing the PTA stuff. It's just a mom thing, or it's just a parenting. I'm like, no, that's actually running a business. And people yes. don't see it. I mean, I remember the first time I found out that the operating expenses for one school year was $250,000 at these like, you know, a board of like, mm-hmm. say five 
parent leaders at PTA run, and then mm-hmm. they're using all of their skills from home, you know, from personal, you know, like personal finance, and, you know, networking, collaborating, yeah. reaching out to other people. So I'm like, come on, let's talk about these five tiny habits. Oh, actually, before I move on, there's something that you said. I think you said 2014 is when you uh, stopped working for that company, right? No, 2020. Oh, 2020. Okay. Tw- tw- but- 2014 is when my dad passed. Okay. And that's when you had that um, idea of wanting to start something different. Mm-hmm. And so you said also that it was pretty murky, you know, for a while. Yeah. And I yeah, want to, sure. I want to make sure that people hear that because from 2014 to 2020, right. Is how the, I guess you could call it like an exploration phase. For sure. To- for sure. I, I knew, you know, in 2014, I'd received two promotions between 2014 and no, three, three promotions. I went from national executive director to VP to chief innovation officer. So there's three promotions, but I knew that for, and, and, and listen, I was very good at what I did. Not, I'm going to toot my own horn. A lot of women don't do this. And I want women to learn that. Yeah. Um, give yourself credit. I wasn't perfect, but I also did really good work and I was good because I've been in the industry for a long time. But I think that I also knew that there was something missing and something, you know, I've always had a side hustle here and there, but I wasn't sure what that was going to look like as far as having a business, not having a business. And that's really one of the things that I'm hoping people can get that there'll be a tug at your heart for something. And typically our, our brains, we have this inner judge that will say, Oh, no. Why would you do that? Or oh, who, who, who do you think you are? Like, we all have this judge. It speaks differently to all of us. But that was what was happening for me. Oh, what will people think? You know, you have a corporate career. Now you want to have this other thing. And there's all that murky water that sometimes you have to just navigate through and, and go through. Yeah. And I wanted to make sure that we uh, highlight that part because some people allow the fact that they're in murky water to be the the thing that reinforces that doubt mm. and they say, oh oh no this is yeah. not right you know it's still murky it's just not it's wrong it's and yeah. They quit, right yeah absolutely and you know i i'm i think of an example and i, I love analogies because i think that they're easy to kind of visualize so if you think about i don't know if you've been to like in Florida, they have a lot of the mangroves and, and, and you have these little canals of mangroves. And as you're, um, I've been paddle boarding with my, my nephew, my, my brother-in-law and niece. And as you go through some of these little channels, the water is very stagnant and is very murky and covered with roots. And like, sometimes you can't even see to the bottom because there's, you know, the yuck in there, right? And in the murkiness is because it's stagnant. But as you navigate out of it and get closer to where the current is flowing, then the water begins to open up and the water is clearer. And then you have, you know, when you when you come out of these little mangrove things with the trees and you're kind of like ducking down too, so you don't get hit in the head with a branch and you come out and then all of a sudden you see the ocean, you're like, Oh, look at this. There's a, a, a lot of possibilities. So when you find yourself stuck, when you find yourself in the middle of the muck, know that that's not 
where you 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 should stay or could stay or need to stay and just ask what is the next best thing and keep moving forward it may not seem like you see the end in sight yet but it does come and there's so much more possibilities for you there in the water then it's clearer mm, i love that analogy that is so well uh, explained um, so let's talk about these five tiny habits and how yeah. parents can use them along with their children. Well, I'm going to tell you tiny habits is one of my favorite things. Tiny habits, it comes from, um, it was, was in the inception of tiny habits came from Dr. BJ Fogg. Dr. Fogg, it is, he is the founder um, of the Stanford University Behavior Lab and he wrote this book um, and he has done research on habits, behavior uh, design and behavior design is what creates habits. Now, most of us are familiar with lots of other books about habits, which are great. But what is missing is some of the real um, academic research behind it. So Dr. Fogg wrote this book and what he found is that in all of the research that he has done is that the habits that actually take hold that our brain is then able to create is are the habits that are small. When we decide on January 1st that we're going to go to the gym and we've never set foot in the gym before, the likelihood that our motivation will carry us through is pretty bad. Mm -hmm. Motivation stops, right? Because um, all the things come up. So the best way to create behavior is to create something that is so minuscule, so tiny, that then um, you just do it. It becomes very automatic. Um, Dr. Fogg also talks about how, you know, there's no such thing as 21 days, 60 days, whatever amount of time to create a habit. So I want your parents and your listeners to really put that into perspective. You know, when they say, oh, I'm going to start a habit of eating healthy. I'm going to do it for 21 days. No, your brain's not going to do it. Your brain is already programmed with other programming, right? And you're, and there's no way to delete that programming. What you need to do is you need to create new programming. So the way the tiny habits works is that you create a recipe. First, you have to have an aspiration, something that you want to do. So for instance, um, your aspiration could be that, um, you want to stop snoozing in the morning so that your mornings are not, um, you know, they're, they're not so crazy trying to get out of the house to go to school and get everybody out of the house. Maybe your aspiration or, or, or rather your aspiration is not to be late. That's your aspiration. But what is going to be the behavior behind that? Right? So that's what we design for is knowing what your aspiration is and then the the design of the habit and the way that we design a habit is like you create a recipe just like you follow a recipe for cooking at times then um a habit is something that you can create a recipe and this is what we call tiny habit recipes and the way that it is is you find a moment in your already established behavior so um, for me, I, I'm going to share one of my most popular habits, and that is that I want to drink more water every day. Now, I have a bottle, and I, I, it's about this big. 
It's a hundred and some ounces of water. But obviously sometimes when I fill the water and I look at it, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll drink it. I don't know, maybe, okay. I'll. And, and, and you go back and forth, right? Um, however, what I do is I, my design is when I let my dogs out in the morning, because I have to let them out in the morning, then the first thing that I do is I then fill my water bottle. That's all I do. And that's the habit, that's my tiny behavior that I'm trying to automate. So my anchor moment is when I let my dogs out, that's the back door is right next to the sink. So I just fill my water bottle and that, and then guess what? I celebrate. So there's three points. You find the anchor moment, you do the behavior, and then you celebrate. And when you celebrate, that celebration part is what in tiny habits we call shine. Your brain loves that. When your brain feels good, your brain changes. So why we do a behavior is not because we're motivated. We'll do a behavior because it's automated. So for parents, there's a lot of different things that you wanna go ahead and implement in your life. There's a lot of things that you wanna implement with your children. Um, and it's very important that you find the different anchor moments of the things that you're doing and create a tiny behavior. Because guess what? At the end of the day, I had never beat myself up for drinking or not drinking my water because my behavior is always that I'm gonna fill my water bottle, right? And it's like, oh, I filled my water bottle, good for me. I am always successful at, at my water habit. And guess what? Now when my bottle sits here on my desk, then I create other anchor moments. Like for instance, after I check email, then I close the app and I drink some water. After I finish a Zoom, I drink some water. So these are my anchor moments again. And throughout the day, I am drinking my water. But all I am doing is setting myself up for actually accomplishing it and feeling good and then um, continuing to do that behavior. So for there's a lot of things that, you know, for instance, um, when you're when you're doing work within your children's um, school, you know, maybe um, when you get a call from the PTA, you will that that's your anchor moment, right? Because they're communicating with you or you get a, a memo from school, then maybe you're going to put it in a designated spot or you're going to uh, take notes on what the conversation was about. And then you'll celebrate that you did that. There's other things too with your children that you can do, um, but I'm gonna let you ask because I know that you wanna unpack this. I've, I've shared a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, that was really, really great. And you know, I kind of read something similar like that in that book, Atomic Habits, which was mm -hmm. hot for a while. Um, and it just, as you're describing all of these things, it takes me back to when I was younger, I was, I had horrible habits. I remember yeah. I didn't even know how bad they were until I got married and moved in with my husband. And he would always point out like, you're always leaving the cabinet open or the drawers <laughs> open, or why can't you find your keys? So I thought that I was just this disorganized person and I was always losing my wallet or my keys. That was like the two biggest things. Um, and then I realized that part of it was the habit itself that I just had never developed it. My, my mom was um, a single mom of six and I'm the oldest. So wow. she wasn't there to always be like on top of each of, of us because she was working, you know, all the time. And um, 
that really impacted also how I saw myself and my, my self-esteem. And that's why today I tell my girls, look, you come home, you put your book bag in one place and that's where always, it will always, always be. Um, And I, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, oh, that's a habit, you know, like you walk in, this is, you know, Mm -hmm. and then you do whatever. Um, But uh, the other thing too, is also sometimes we lack the systems, like say like an Mm -hmm. organizer or something like that. So for parents who have say children who, don't get up like this is one of my children right she sets three alarms it drives us all crazy because it starts <laughs> an hour and a half before she has to get up so then we wake up that early when we don't need to <laughs> and she hits that snooze button so how do you overcome that you know because she has the aspiration the aspiration is to get up right so she can make it to school on time yeah. but she hits that button on that darn alarm and I just want to toss it out the window <laughs> yeah you, you know what i'm i'm gonna even go a little step further but i would say that that and i'm speaking from experience because i was a snoozer my whole life and i will say um growing up also grew up with a single mom and um how i remember my mom would have the alarm on and we would all snooze we were like you know and and then like um we would run like bad out of hell both arriba right like all crazy out of the house like Wah! um but the first thing that i and and this is something that i typically share with my clients who have littles um the first thing in order to stop snoozing because this is what i learned and now i don't use an alarm at all um but you go to bed early <laughs> You go to bed earlier because what happens is, um, one, you're already in the habit of snoozing. So that's already an ingrained behavior. It's, it's like, and boom, boom. Um, you've already created that neuropassage way in your brain. Uh, and the second thing is if, and you don't have to go like an hour earlier, you can just say if she's going to bed, at, a, at 10, let's say 10 o'clock, I'm gonna, you know, cause that's typical, it's a good time that people tend to, um, maybe she's going to bed 10 minutes earlier, maybe, um, and then creating a little bit of a routine. So I actually use my phone in which I have a little, um, I, I set my, my focus app that comes on my iPhone. And at 9.30, my phone says, hey, it's time for bed soon. And then that then I know that I need to start winding down because your brain does take time to wind down. Um, the other thing too is um, I also started using rather than an alarm, I used to I, I added a phone, I mean a song to my alarm. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes you're being jarred awake by this like noise, like what's going on? (laughs) So that can be another way that rather than her um, having like that or ding or whatever, that there's a song that she likes waking up to because then your brain is gonna feel good. The other thing that I'm gonna recommend is, and this is um, in tiny habit world, this is our favorite habit, Dr. Fogg, this is his favorite habit, most, I would say 99.9% of all tiny habits coaches use this. It's called the Maui habit. And the Maui habit is when my alarm goes off in the morning, I put one foot in the ground 
and I say, it's going to be a great day. And then all of a sudden, so your alarm goes off, that's your anchor moment. And rather than, you know, moving your hand over to shut it down, you put your foot in the floor and you say, it's gonna be a great day. And then you celebrate, woohoo, right? And, and celebration doesn't have to be like a big thing. You can just smile at yourself, give yourself a high five or a thumbs up, or just, I like to do my little shoulders. And I, I will tell you, there's some mornings um, when I wake up, and again, I'm not using an alarm anymore, but when I wake up, um, I don't, I mean, be tired. And I just put one foot in the ground. I'm like, oh, it's gonna be a great day, boys. Cause I talk to my dogs all the time. And then I celebrate it. And all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, okay, it's time to get up, right? And it's giving me that umph to kind of keep going. That would be one of the first things that I, I recommend. But I know that the snoozing comes from the time that you're really getting of sleep. And I have been famous for the majority of my life. I always say that I am a, I'm a night person. I'm better at night. Um, possibly, but also you also have, um, the, the, your circadian, circadian record, uh, circadian rhythm is off too. And that we don't realize that it's happening. So the other thing too is in the morning, my husband leaves for work really early, Dolly. So one of the things that he, he does that helps me get up is when he, uh, leaves, he opens the window so the sun comes up. So that automatically also wakes me up, um, which is very important. We don't realize that, and in, in, in I stand at my window. I'm very lucky I have an east-facing window in, in our bedroom on the second floor. So if it's a sunny day and I get up right out of my bed, I like I'm in front of the window and I, I'm able to get some of those sun rays and take a deep breath and then you're you're more centered in that moment mm, these are great tips so we're always looking for that anchor mm -hmm. right and um you said create that recipe of how you're going to uh implement that tiny habit yeah and then we're gonna celebrate it even if it's just by doing a little jiggle dance or anything like that something so it doesn't have to be huge yeah, like think about it when you when you ball up a, a piece of trash and you throw it in the garbage can to make a dunk and then you do it and you're like, woohoo, go me, right? You feel really good. That's the tiny habit kind of celebration you want to create. Yeah, and that's very achievable for everyone, yeah, for even sure. little kids. Yeah, I love that because sometimes um, when you think of, okay, you have to create this habit and you have like all these steps, then you're discouraged just looking at the darn list. Mm -hmm. um, and especially in today, today's society where we have so much going on. So um, for, say, for parents who have that child that's just maybe what you were saying, you're, oh, I'm just more active at night, you know, um, mm -hmm. how, how do you help children like that that have convinced themselves, I'm just not that good, you know, I just don't have it in me, I have to do it this way. How can parents gently, I guess, direct them the other direction so that they get away from that mentality because in a sense that's kind of negative thinking yeah for sure and i and i think that this goes back to a little bit of what a lot of us do um our brain is programmed to be negative our brain is programmed to definitely not focus on the good or the happy or the positive so it is very important to not say i can't 
um, go to bed early or I can't fill in the blank. The most important thing is asking the right question because our brain does work, although it's negative, it does work like a computer. So if you're asking the right question, you're gonna start to get the right answer. So when you tell yourself, I can't go to bed early, which I used to say to me all the time, oh, I can't go to bed early, it's silly. Like, are you kidding me? Um, and I started to ask, how can I make myself go to bed early? Or how can I ask my child to fill in the blank and then your brain will start to come up with really creative solutions right so um in the tiny habits world and i can definitely send you this because this is for everybody to consume um, we have these tiny habit panels and we had a group of parenting experts that were on um on this panel and one of the things that they talk about is you got to remember that um, children learn by the example and not necessarily by the words. And the other thing is that if they see you with implementing certain things, they'll want to model that behavior. Um, so if your child is struggling to go to bed early, if your child is the one's like, oh, I don't feel like it, I really am you know, better, I gotta do my homework late at night, that's there's nothing wrong with that if they're you know working, but if they you see that in the morning they're tired, then what is it that you can do? What can I do, right? So maybe um, electronics are, you know, put in a basket at a certain time um, so that, because that electronic, the blue light from the electronics also keeps our brain very active. So maybe that's why um, we can't go to bed as early. I, um, I, I started putting my phone and I, I don't love this and I don't do it all the time, but I can tell you that if I go to bed and then I scroll TikTok for a while, <laughs> I have a harder time falling asleep. Whereas if I go to bed and then I read for a little bit and I just sit in bed and I wind down for a good half hour or so, and then I turn off the light, then it, I fall asleep and I fall asleep in a deeper way. So it's, it's very interesting, all this brain research that comes up, um, but we are so programmed the you know we wake up in the morning we reach for the phone we go to a bed at night that's the last thing that we're looking at so um you know my sister um in miami she actually um which i i i'm so proud of her because she does this she leaves her phone in the kitchen charging she doesn't take it into the bedroom wow and i'm trying to uh i'm trying to build that habit because it's a problem and i mean i'm pretty yeah. good at trying to ignore it I put it face down, mm -hmm. but I know sometimes I'm like, let me reach and I want to watch those little puppy reels right now. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, and, and, and they are designed to give us that little shot of dopamine that our brain likes. So of course we're going to like it, but it's very important. Like for instance, if you, um, if you say, you know, every time I go to bed, I will put my phone across the room, right? Every time I walk into the bedroom, I will put my phone. This is your recipe. Walk into the bedroom. I will put my phone across the room from the bed and I will celebrate that. It's so tiny, right? It's so small. Um, and every time I get into bed, I will read a page of the book that I'm working on. And then you celebrate that. And guess what? Sometimes you're going to read more than a page. And that's the beauty of Tiny Habit, that sometimes you'll read a chapter. Sometimes you'll read two pages. Sometimes you just read the one page. But it's all celebrating what you're accomplishing. 
in seeing, you know, the, the glass half, I mean, half full rather than half empty. So what about the parents who are asking, well, how long do I need to keep this up so that it sticks? Because earlier you mentioned, you know, some people mm -hmm. say 21 days or whatever amount of days. So what would you say to them? The more that you celebrate, the more that you will see the, 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 the habit becoming automatic. I think that your, your goal should not be, I need to hit the habit for X amount of days so I can ingrain it. You need to hit the celebration so that your brain likes to do that and then automates that. Uh, that's what you should be going for. And, and really it varies anywhere. A habit can be, can be ingrained in three days or it could be years, but it really depends on how strong your aspiration is as well. Because if you're trying to set a habit for something you really don't wanna do, it's gonna become harder for you to do it. If you're just doing it because, oh, I should, right? Or I, so for instance, I should lose weight. Of course, I should be at a healthier weight, but my, I'm not that motivated and I'm, that's not, you know, I, I don't let my weight stop me from doing a lot of the things that I want to do in my life, right? But I do want to feel better. I do want to have my joints not hurt. So it is easier to set up a habit when you have the right aspiration. The other thing too, when it comes to the habit creation is that you have to have what we call an anchor moment. Not And, and a lot of times people create an anchor moment that may be... Um, vague and not not very specific and then you forget to do the behavior because the anchor moment wasn't that clear so if i said hey when i come downstairs and i'm gonna drink water mm, that's that's a very vague because i can come downstairs and what is it i can go wash my hands i can go to the bathroom but there's what i'm always going to do is let the dogs out so if I, if I attach the behavior of filling my water bottle to letting the dogs out, that is a very specific anchor moment. Mm, that's really good to know. Because I was thinking about that. How do you make sure that you use that specific anchor moment? Yeah, to, yeah to absolutely. Trigger, yeah. And, you know, so for instance, you know, if you think of, let's, let's talk about another habit that's very popular for parents and we teach in the Tiny Habits Academy is after I see myself, my, my child making inappropriate faces, right? Or, you know, there's all those moments for parents that your child will like roll their eyes or like, whatever, right? Um, the here, here's the habit, right? Okay, I know this is gonna be controversial. After I see my child fill in the blank, doing the behavior you don't like, you, you, you drives you crazy, um, I will turn my back and ignore their behavior. That's the habit. Because what happens is if, you know, you go into like thinking about, oh my God, there they go again. Oh, and you start yelling and engaging, then you're creating more of the behavior you don't want, right? Well, if you're ignoring them, then one, you're not being bothered by it, but two, they're not having the reaction to poke your bear as mm -hmm. well. And then they're like, oh, this is not working. So um, that's one of the habits that in um, that particular habit is actually something from um, Christina O'Halloran, who is um, the coordinator at the Stanford uh, Developmental Behavior Pediatrics. Um, and that's one of the habits that she teaches. Um, you know, also after I see my child playing inappropriate with a friend, I will, or, or 
playing appropriate, I will say, hey, great job playing nicely. Just little things like that that really reinforce the behavior we want in children. Um, and I think that um, the other thing is that we, we can focus on what we don't want, but really like we talked about, right? The more that we focus on what we don't want, that's the more we get because we begin to see it everywhere, right? Like you're thinking of buying a red car, then all of a sudden you're driving down the road and you're going to see red cars everywhere because your brain starts to really hyper-focus on those things. So find the things that um, you want to grow, right? You want to grow in love. You want to grow in admiration, in pride for your children. Um, you want to feel good about your children. So if you think about it, there's going to be things that your children do that annoy you, that drive you crazy, that, oh my gosh, where is this coming from, right? But if you, if you, fi if you find that moment, right, and, and that is your anchor moment when they're doing the thing you don't like them to do, and then you say, I will reflect on something that has made me proud of my child, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's 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 like all of a sudden you create this moment in which it could have been like scaling out of control where all of a sudden you are finding more peace as a parent, but you are also showing your child that there's tolerance, there's acceptance, right? And you're giving them the grace that sometimes we all need when we are not behaving the way we should. Yeah, yeah, I, I love this because it's very doable for both parent and child. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And and one thing that you said, you know, like the controversial turn around and ignore. I completely agree with that. With some children, you have to because not everybody's the same. Right. And uh, right. it's one of the things that I teach in bullying that the bully is always trying to get a reaction out of you. And while that situation is not a bullying situation, mm -hmm. but it's still children sometimes want a certain reaction from their parents. Um, so I like that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let me pivot a little bit and talk about your book before we wrap it sure. up. Because I feel like this book is super valuable and I love the whole color, Thank um, you. the stories, the, especially uh, I was reading the story of your mom. That's definitely people read it, read that part. Don't miss it. Mm. Um, because I can tell that you put so much heart and passion into this book. And it's a really easy read. So for the parent listening, what can you tell parents listening about your book? Well, you know, one of the things that I wanted to do is really be able to share the stories. Number one of the amazing individuals, you know, that my grandmother, my mom, um, my aunt, my late boss, women who just were definitely not perfect but really impacted me. And now what I am and who I am and what I do is really a reflection of the teachings that they gave me. And if I impact anybody else's life, it's not because of who I am, it is because of who I was made by. And this is the thing that I want others to take away um, Yes, I would love for you to read my book and learn about these amazing individuals, but I also want to take away that you too have that power. You too have the power to change the lives of the others around you, your children. Um, if you're a teacher, the students that you teach, your community, the community you know, piece is so important. We we all are a reflection of those people that have poured into us. And, and I, I wrote the book because 
sometimes, you know, I, I was very fortunate to have had some wonderful people believe in me, help me, support me, teach me, guide me. And we all have these people, but there's lessons that I know that have worked for me in my life and what I'm trying to do and have come from those people. So read the book, hear about these amazing individuals, but also Go and find the amazing individuals in your life that have impacted you. Focus on those because, again, we tend to think our brain, that's how it's going to go. Uh, oh, but, you know, I had such a terrible upbringing and I got yelled at. And yes, I got yelled at too, but focus on the beauty of the person that you've become and the strength that you have because of the experiences. I, I've had great experiences, but I've also had not so great experiences throughout my life, but those things have shaped me. Yeah. Um, I, I'm so glad that you pointed that out because you can have, uh, say, a family experience the same thing mm-hmm. in one household. And then the children say, like, actually, Tony Robbins comes to mind because he grew yeah. up with an alcoholic mother mm-hmm. and I remember him saying you know two totally different outcomes from him between him and his brother mm-hmm. Tony Robbins decided to do what he does not motivate millions and millions of people and his brother didn't do so well yeah you know went down a negative pathway mm-hmm. um, and it's important to take control of that mindset and indeed if to, yeah if we have to form these tiny habits uh, to always tell ourselves something positive during a negative situation, then mm-hmm. do that. Or if it's a podcast or going, turning to a book or, yeah. or something like that. Um, so thank you so much for sharing about this. And by the way, you also have a podcast. Where can people find your podcast? Sure. My podcast can be found in any of the podcasting platforms. Um, it is called Casa, the confidence dot um pod and um if you do if you go to casa to confidence pod.com that's the website and you can download the episodes from there but if you have apple or spotify google stitcher you name it we're on all the platforms so casa the confidence and you can also google julie deluca collins and it will come up there we go and before we go i want to do a fun a fun roundup of okay. more personal questions Go for you, it. Okay. So you mentioned that you are Salvadoreña. You were yes. in El Salvador. So uh, for people who don't know anything about El Salvador, what would be one thing you'd want them to know about? Um, one thing that I would want people to know is that El Salvador is filled with amazing, kind, hardworking people. And that they have such pride in that beautiful country that it is probably much more fun to visit than a lot of uh, other countries that you probably have heard of. And you've you've heard probably the negative of El Salvador, but El Salvador is coming back and there's a wonderful renaissance to the country. Um, and go and visit and you can have a grand old time. <laughs> yeah. And you were just there not long ago. I, yeah, I, I was I was there in January. I, I can't wait to go back. So yeah. we had a fun time. All right, what would you tell people to try out of all the traditional Salvadoreño foods, which one would you recommend the most? Well, I I certainly, you know, I'm a big fan of pupusas Mm -hmm. uh, for my birthday. I mean, that's the staple and you have to try them. My birthday last week, Dana's like, where do you want to go? And he's thinking we're going to go to like fancy restaurant. I'm like, can we get pupusas? And he's like, really? That's what you want? I'm like, yeah. So try the pupusas. They're really good. They're super yummy. 
Um, and you know, that's, that's the heart and soul of the country. Yeah. Tell people what they're made of. So it's corn. It's, it's a corn like tortilla, but it's not like what you think of your Mexican tortilla that is very, very thin. It's a little thicker, um, very, they're cousins to the Colombian arepas, but you know, inside you can have rice and or not rice there's pupusas made out of rice um but there you can have um chicharron which is pork or you can have beans or you can have cheese or you can have mix and then what they do is you they make a ball with the corn masa and then they put the thing in the middle and then they wrap it up and then they they flatten it up and they put it in um in the skillet or the comal or whatever they're cooking them on and then you fry it so it's like this goodness yummiest gooey with the cheese you know when you take a bite into it and then you typically use it with um, you eat it with a curtido mm -hmm. uh, which is um this like chopped cabbage that's uh marinated in vinegar and super yummy and a little spicy at times so good super yeah. good and it's delicious and so sure filling. yeah oh my god oh. yeah <laughs> i'm gonna have to have some more pupusas today after talking about them <laughs> Me too. <laughs> All right. What is a childhood memory that you'd like to share with us? Something happy? You know, my greatest childhood memory is uh, at my grandmother's house. My grandmother owned a school and we also lived in the school on the other side. And um, so we had this big basketball court that was in front of the house where the kids from the school were played. And my cousins lived across the basketball court. Um, that's where their house was. And um it, in the afternoons, we, the six of us, there were three Rivera Moran cousins and the three of us, DeLuca Rivera kids. And we would, we had a little pandilla, which is, <laughs> we're talking about the seventies people. So then, you know, the connotations are a little different, but we used to, so we, we would either ride our bikes round and round and round the, um, the, the basketball court. Um, or we would skate and we would just go in circles and my grandmother would sit at, she was in a wheelchair, but she would sit at the window and watches. And, um, it was always such a fun memory of, of, you know, that being active and playing and, and, and I, I think back to my childhood in a way it was kind of magical because we lived in the school. So it was all these classrooms were empty and all these places and we we just let our imagination, you know, run wild. And every week I, I was either producing a, a play or a fashion show or um, we used to play royalty. I was never the queen or princess. I was always the prime minister because that one had the power. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we would dress up and and those are the fun fun fondest fun memories that i have of my childhood look at that you could see your leadership even back then i love it <laughs> yeah some people would call it bossiness but it was always leadership skills <laughs> yes yes and you know what if if it's bossiness own it just you know go with it make it a right. positive yeah positive connotation um and lastly, if you could tell little Julie of, say, 10 years old, anything, what would you say to her? Oh, my God, Julie, at 10 years old, you are just where you need to be. And you are becoming the person that you are meant to become by just the things that you're doing today. And I'm proud of you at 10. 
Oh, I love that. Julie, it has been so wonderful speaking with you. Thank you so much for making time to come and talk to my parents listening. And, you know, we're here to support you. So if you have anything else, uh, any events, anything that we should know of, thank go ahead you. and let us know now. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Dali. It is an honor to be here. I love speaking to uh, other podcasters. And I, you know, if anybody is, is interested in really growing their business and taking it to the next level, feel free to, you know, contact me, even if I'm not the right coach for, for you, I am happy to share my resources or give you some feedback and maybe something that you're trying to build. Um, that is my favorite conversation to have. You don't have to be my client to talk to me and, and, and just ask me questions about maybe something that you're looking to get feedback on for your business or even for an event that you're planning. I'd love event planning. That's, a, you know, certainly super fun for me. Um, and I, I love connecting people with the right resources. So I am sure that I can come up with someone that may be the right fit for you or the right resource in, in whatever journey you're in. And the other thing that I would just say is if you want to be part of a great community in which you can be with like-minded individuals who are going confidently in the direction of their dreams and they're just trying to grow and, and thrive and, and connect and support each other. Join me in the Confident You community on Facebook. Wow, Julie, thank you so much for having all those resources. And I can testify that Julie is the person who will connect you with others and she'll like sit there and think with you. It's like, okay, you have this problem, hmm, this challenge. Okay, let me think, how can you overcome it? And then you're like, pew, 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 just throwing them out there. <laughs> And it's, it's so helpful. And thank you so much. It's been nice speaking with you today. You're welcome. It's so great to speak to you. And Dali, thank you again for having me. I hope you really enjoyed this conversation with Julie. Again, you can find her on Instagram and her handle is Julie underscore DeLuca Collins. And um, check out her book. It's really good. And her podcast is really fun. You're going to love it. Um, and remember, build those tiny habits. Don't get too worked up about having to build up too many at once. Work on just one, one at a time with your child and do it together. That way it's a journey that you can both bond over and see the, the self-growth together. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in again to the Dali Talks podcast. Remember, if you have some time, give this podcast a review and share it with somebody else. All right, until next time. Hey, did you like that episode? If you did, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you may be listening and write a review. If you want more tips or some behind-the-scenes videos, make sure to follow my mom at Dolly Talks on Instagram. You can turn on notifications for her posts and stories as well. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. See you next time.